Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. From the Badgers to Whitewater, from Concordia to Carroll, some of the best college football is played right here in the state of Wisconsin. Alongside the professor, Dan Underberg, and our producer, the Polish pipe bomb, Jeff Orlowski. I'm Don Wachillis. This is the College Football Show, and it starts right now. Once again, welcome in to the College Football Show right here on 105.7 FM, The Fan, along with our producer Jeff Orlowski and the professor Dan Underberg. It's great to be back with you for another season as we get set to break down the college football atmosphere, especially here in the state of Wisconsin, but also throughout the country because in so many ways what happens elsewhere has a tendency to affect us right here in the old Cheesehead State. Daniel, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? It's good to see you. It's good to see you as well. Jeffrey, great to have you back. I'm I'm wondering this. What happened? Jeff is back. We have, <laughs> we have a tendency to run producers to the door screaming for mercy as they race out of the parking it lot. It seemed like he wanted to come back. Something's got to be wrong. <laughs> Something's going on here. But I lucked out. There was a line of guys that wanted to do this show. All so, right. I pass, lucked out. Pass the shovels this way. It's getting a little deep in here. All right. It's great, as we said, to be back once again. We want to thank General Manager Tom Parker, Steve Sparky Pfeiffer, and as always, big-time Mike McGivern for their efforts in helping us get this show back up and running. And before we get into what we'll be talking about now for the next two hours, as we'll be here each and every Thursday night from 8 to 10 following the Bill Michaels huddle. But, guys, one of the things I've been really proud of, whether it has been the college football show or the college basketball show, is kind of using our platform to highlight some fundraising events that are happening in and around the community. And I got to bring attention to this one. Uh, Coach's Pub and Grill, one of the sponsors here at 105.7 FM, The Fan, is hosting an event on Saturday, September 29th from 12 to 5 for Mark Salzer. Mark Salzer unfortunately, is battling cancer. And as Stuart Scott once said, sometimes when you're battling disease, you get tired and you just need your family and friends to step up and pick up the fight for you. And that's exactly what we're going to be doing on the 29th. There will be raffles, silent auctions, all of those things taking place within coaches. So whether or not you know Mark or you just happen to be in the area looking for lunch for that big boy burger or some of their wings and want to stop in, and while you're having lunch, make a donation. It would be greatly appreciated. You know, so many times we say to people, uh, if you need anything, call. Well, consider this to everyone. This is your call. Mm -hmm. So stop on down on the 29th 
from 12 to 5 at Coaches. And also to all my Pulaski alumni out there. We've got two of our own here, Mark and Dawn, who could really use your assistance. So we hope to see everybody there on September 29th from 12 to 5. So with that said, let's get into some college football. Let's break down what we're going to be covering here this evening for the next couple hours. We want to talk first and foremost. I want to get into this whole Urban Meyer thing, and we'll do that in just a second. Then obviously we'll be talking Badgers. At around 8.40 to 8.45, we're going to be talking with Pat Cerrone, the head coach at the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh. Last year, the national runner-ups. Runner-ups? Did I say that right? Yeah, we knew what you meant. All right. I, I'll speak English later on in the show, and he'll be <laughs> joining us around 8.40. Also want to talk a little bit later about the whole Nick Saban and Maria Taylor incident that happened last week. And I also want to get into... Um, Andrew Filipponi, a CBS national host of his own radio show, uh, a couple of weeks ago during his show being aired right here on The Fan, mm-hmm. was speaking about the Badgers' non-conference matchup and because of who the Badgers are playing, felt that even if they run the table all the way through the Big Ten championship, should not even be considered for a berth in the final four, simply based on the non-conference championship. We ain't getting into it now because I could. We could jump right into this and go, but we're going to save that for a little bit later. So let's kick this thing off with the whole Urban Meyer incident. Now, I, I realize the Urban Meyer incident doesn't necessarily have to do with anything specifically when we're talking about Wisconsin and collegiate football. However, I do think it will impact how Ohio State handled this entire situation, how Urban Meyer handled this entire situation, and I think it leaves a blueprint for all the mistakes that they made for other universities in what not to do. I also believe, and I was telling you guys this off the air when we were, when we were chatting a little bit, I think the way Ohio State handled this is going to come back to haunt them. I really do. I, I The way Urban Meyer talked about his handling of the situation – the way some of the investigative reporting that was done shows that one of the things Urban Meyer tried to do was erase text messages off his phone as soon as these uh, allegations and indictments and everything else kind of came to light. Something tells me there is something out there that somebody right now, I I don't know who it's going to be for what network, for what online um, written website that wants to kind of make a name for themselves somebody's out there digging and what i'm getting at is this if they find something that contradicts everything that ohio state and urban meyer has said i think ohio state has put themselves in legal jeopardy and we can debate in a moment here whether we think three games is enough whether we think he should have been fired and and all of that in between but i want to hear from you guys once whether or not you think I'm way out of bounds and maybe spent too much time over the summer watching Law and Order reruns, <laughs> but I just think do you there's, have a sound effect for that? Kind of put that in there? I think there's a liability issue that could really come to haunt Ohio State based on what was said following the suspension, the press conference, and everything else. So, Daniel, I'll start with you. Take it from there. I don't know. I I look at this and. For me, you made the comment that this is a blueprint for what athletic departments don't want to do when you started this. 
And I, I'm not arguing with that, but at the same time, they're not going to pay any attention to this in terms of history is going to go back and say every time something stupid has happened in an athletic in an athletic department, there's been another one somewhere in D1 sports that has done something worse and stupid and handled it even more poorly. Okay. So I don't know that anybody's going to pay attention to Ohio State and think – I. And think this is how we this is how we're going to handle it if something like this happens to us. I also kind of look at this whole thing and and think, you know what? It's Ohio State. It's Urban Meyer. If if anybody in college football outside of maybe Nick Saban is untouchable, it's Urban Meyer. Well, isn't and, isn't that where this whole thing then eventually goes to? Jeff is the fact that Urban Meyer is winning. Urban Meyer is a money source for obviously Ohio State University. And had it been Dan Underberg, Don Wachillis, Jeff Orlowski on the sidelines, who last year went two and whatever, th- we would have been walked to the door within minutes of any of this stuff surfacing. And I think the frustration for many goes to when we talk about collegiate athletics, and we can't be, and I won't be completely naive to the whole money factor, but the fact of the matter is, had Urban Meyer not been as successful as he's been at Ohio State, Urban Meyer would be sitting on the game day set on Saturday mornings with ESPN talking about the plethora of games that will happen later that afternoon. Yeah, well, I agree with you on that. You know, he he gets cut a lot of slack because of his success uh, both at Ohio State and the success he had at Florida. Uh, you know, it's no... It's no shocker. Urban Meyer has not, you know, he did not run a clean pl- program at Florida. They had, what, 857 people arrested when he was down there. <laughs> and so, you know, I don't understand why it's Jeff a shock. have rounded up on that one. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's that new math that my kids are teaching me. But, you know, so I don't understand, you know, what um, Ohio State expected. You know, you're not going to get a squeaky clean program. But back to your original question, I think you're absolutely crazy. Why uh, Ohio State is going to sit there and probably run the table until Wisconsin faces them in the Big Ten championship game? I don't think they they miss a beat. Will there be people digging? Absolutely. But if Ohio State, the Ohio State, has you know any kind of brain at all, everything is completely scrubbed. You know. Well, you know, I I agree with you. I understand that somebody probably went in and says, "Listen, I I took care of it." But I've seen time and time again when it comes to anything regarding social media, mm-hmm. no matter how many times you think you may have taken care of the problem, the problem is still out there somewhere. Mm-hmm. And it's hidden, and it may take some time. And I guess for me, that I, if you want to wrap this back into why it's important for the Badgers, I would love to see it about halfway through the season come to the surface and watch the program somewhat implode as, as we move later on into Big Ten. I just feel as if there's another shoe to drop. And Jeff, thank you for calling me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think my, I guess my argument to that would be is because it's social media. When did the story break? Was it it's three weeks old now? Longer? It's been, oh, I think it's a little bit longer feel, than that. Back er, mid mid early August. Yeah, and so it feels number one. It feels like old news, and now this the whole season has started, and it's going to get buried underneath the excitement of college football, and we're not going to pay as much attention to it. The other part of it, being in social media, if we've had five weeks to do digging, I think the national media that had the opportunity to find it, if they were going to find something, my feeling is they probably would have found it by now. And I so, guess I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Dan, yeah, but no. the the problem I'm looking at with this is 
This goes back to what we were talking about with the whole FBI investigation with the NCAA and basketball and, and all of that. Remember, the you-know-what hit the fan, mm-hmm. and we were we were all energized, like, oh, shoes are going to drop, heads are going to roll, and a couple did, and then it got real quiet for a while. And then all of a sudden it popped back up, and we had a couple of assistant coaches, and we had this, and we had that happen, and then we got all energized again because we were re- ready for the next shoe to drop, and it's been quiet ever right. since. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, in my mind, if Ohio State is somewhat like this, where we've had the hubbub, it's going to get quiet again. I, Like I said, and I'm, I'm being redundant, and I apologize for that, but I feel like something else is going to happen. I think Ohio State has the opportunity to plan right now. Um, if, if the Board of Governors is concerned about anything, they can look and see the culture within the Ohio State program and kind of review that a little bit. And if I had to guess, what I think is going to happen is – You'll have your, you know, a month from now, six weeks from now, expose that pops up about the Ohio State football program and how this did happen. Urban Meyer and Ohio State will have to respond to this one more time, but they'll have ready to plan what to say, what not to say. And then and then all of a sudden it's November and it goes away. All right, let me go back to what you just said. He'll mm-hmm. have time to plan mm-hmm. and kind of go over what will be said. Jeff, I'll start with you. Was anybody else shocked? at the way the press conference was handled on the day of the announcement with regards to the three-game suspension, I never saw a group of quote-unquote college-educated human beings come across looking so moronic in my life. They looked callous. They looked cruel. They looked unprepared. They looked mean-spirited. It just it looked like dysfunction personified. It did, and you could see the fear behind right. the cruelty. Mm-hmm. Right. They were scared. And, you know, the the guy that broke the story, I think that if there was, you know, maybe maybe Urban Meyer's uncle, Uncle Johnny, has a text or something where he admits everything. Or, you know, that could be what, what ends up sinking his ship. But for right now, I would imagine that all that stuff is all cleaned up and tried to be dusted away. Will it pop back up again? Probably. You know, um, but yes, they handled it so bad, so bad. How could you sit there and and how does any professional uh, team, you know, whether it's NBA, MLB, uh, any big time college uh, team, after what happened with Josh Hader and you know the tweets and stuff like that, mm-hmm. how any big time athletic organization did not go through every single employee's thing. You know, Twitter, Facebook, Snapface, whatever, <laughs> and and scrub everything out that could even possibly be controversial. I have no idea. Dan, I'm going to put you in the, the PR seat at Ohio State. Yeah. So before you let somebody like Urban Meyer, before you let someone like the athletic director or the president go in front of the national media the way they did, and you have the chance to pull them into a room and say, listen, here's what you're going to face. These are the type of questions. This is the best way possible in how to respond to them. So at least we come off looking sympathetic. Uh-huh. What, what, what's your advice? What are you coaching them up to do? Well, you gotta, you've got to understand one thing is when you have your director of athletic communications, your SID, sit down with them. Um, it's there's a little bit of going in one ear and out the other, depending upon which coach is sitting across the table from you. They've dealt with the media their entire career. They're going to say what they want to say. There's a large amount of ego 
in terms of what they're going to say. And I, I'm going to interrupt you for yeah. one sec. Isn't it amazing when ego transfers over to arrogance? Oh, yeah. And I think yeah. that's what happened with mm-hmm. Urban Meyer, and I think that's what happened with Nick Saban that we'll talk about a little bit later in the program. Yeah, and this is it's not uncommon for an SID to sit down with the athletic director and the coach or whomever is in question and say, okay, this is how we're going to handle it. And if it's, if it's a student athlete, they're like, oh, just tell me what to do. I want to get out of this mess. Help me out. But when it's a coach – it's, it's a different conversation. No, 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 no. I already know what I'm going to say. No, I've got this. Yeah, they're going to ask me, I've got this. But they're, what they're not prepared for is the question, followed by the repeat question, followed by the question that won't go away. Then they start getting frustrated, and suddenly at that point, they realize, holy crap, this isn't going to go away. What I'm saying isn't working. Usually I can Belichick it, and it's just going to go away. But in this case, and stuff like this, it doesn't because the media, they know. They've got them. And you've got to answer this question, and by the by the lack of a poor of or by the lack of a good answer, or by the lack of any answer at all, they they know something's there, so they're going to keep coming at you. Yeah, and it just I'll harken back to what I just said while while you were speaking. Mm-hmm. I think the whole arrogance of the matter, the fact of the matter is, and this is my own belief, and and I have nothing to to support it. It's it's purely opinion, is that this coach, who by all accounts is a tool. I mean, let's face it. The guy goes to the White House and and south of the border uh, stuff onto White House towels and takes pictures and sends them out. And what happened between him and his wife and things that he had sent to the football office that since it's only 819 in the evening, I'm not going to put out there (laughs) knowing there could be kids listening. Um, All of those things just – Come together to tell me this gentleman is not cream of the crop. He's not salt of the earth. You put whatever little thing you want to put next to it. But I also understand from Urban Meyer's perspective, he's the grandson of a legend who was his mentor. And I think if Meyer would have come out and said, listen, I didn't handle this well. This guy to me is family. This is his grandson. I was trying to protect like you would family. I know I've done wrong. Next time, I guarantee it won't happen this way. When you get contrite with a touch of humility, people have the tendency to forgive. Right or wrong, they have a tendency to forgive and look the other way. Now, I'm not talking about people necessarily at Ohio State because it seems like the fan base has looked the other way already. Yeah. Like, they're just worried Mm -hmm. about winning. Reminds me a lot back in the day when we went through the whole paternal Penn State thing. There was that faction of people that didn't want to look at the evidence. They just wanted coach. And they wanted to win football games, and that's all they were concerned about. Different, obviously, obviously situations, but to me, it's got that same feel. I just think the whole arrogance of the matter is what has put Ohio State into this situation, what put Urban Meyer into that situation. And I, I am just thinking in the back of my mind that this thing is not done yet. I look at this situation, and it's. I, I'll go back to you and your comment about Penn State because there, there's, there's one similarity to it, and it's not a surprise. And that's the tails wagging the dog, right? Football teams running the athletic department, the athletic department running the university, and how do we handle these things? And go, and those are the similarities right there in terms of, wait a minute, we can't lose football, we can't lose coach, we've got to have these things in place. And so I think that's another part of the reason where if we have a weaker football coach or a younger football coach or someone without that type of success, the university and the athletic department are going to say, wait a minute, you're going to toe the line on this one. Yeah. But that, that hasn't been the case. And I, I realize this is going to sound like a homer, but 
if if you look at kind of a Wisconsin culture for a minute at the UW, um, th- there is no question within that athletic department who is in charge. Yeah. It is King Barry. It's not Paul Christ. It's King Barry. And w- if something were like this were to happen in Wisconsin, Barry Alvarez would be sitting right next to him saying, this is what you're going to say, and you're not going to argue with me. No, I, I completely agree with that because the authority lies within the administration mm-hmm. where you'll find in other situations, like you described, right. it's the coach who has the authority and not necessarily the administration. And we even see that in the program. Mm-hmm. I mean, right now, look look at the whole the Gruden thing with Khalil Mack and the GM and, and all of that and who has the power. It becomes a power struggle where you look at a place like Wisconsin. You're absolutely right. You don't have to look further than down the hall where the athletic director plate and Barry Alvarez sits on on the door. And, and that is a huge difference when you compare various universities from around the country. Jeff has given me the sign. It's time to take a break. So when we come back, let's jump right into it. The Badgers are 1-0 and and getting ready to get another one under their belt this Saturday. We'll talk about it next. We're back. It's the College Football Show right here on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Well, September means college football is back in swing, and the Badgers kicked off their 2018 campaign with a win this past week. Um, what'd you take away, Dan? I mean, I saw an offensive line that played well. I saw a defense with all of that young talent play fairly decently. I saw a Heisman Trophy candidate that I thought played pretty good, mm-hmm. considering it was Western Kentucky. And I saw a quarterback that in year number three, the question marks for me are still there. I just I just didn't come away with the confidence that I thought I would with Hornerbrook going into year three to make that next step. Oh, it's only one game. I realize that. <laughs> but it's Western Kentucky, and some of the missed throws were driving me absolutely sure. nuts during mm-hmm. that contest. Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to see that be consistent throughout the the better part of his career now. We've had two years we've seen this happen. We're going to see him get better. I thought that he looked more confident than he had in the past, um, and there were some throws that were absolutely excellent, but I think part of his M- his MO or whatever, his modus operandi, whatever you want to call it, is um, is going to, he's going to miss throws like that. I think that's just going to be part of the deal, and he's still going to make a bad decision every now and again. I think it was in the second quarter he took he took a, a shot in the end zone. Uh, one Badger, you know, four Western Kentucky guys, and like, what are you doing? So that's going to be part of it. I think my my take on it is I was generally positive about everything that I saw. Um, I was happy to see um, a Wisconsin defense that didn't look overwhelmed with the new faces that they have in there. Um, we have the benefit for the first time in – Many years to have a defensive coordinator, a coordinator that's coming back for his second year. I think the defense is going to benefit from that a little bit. I think if I have a concern, there's been a lot of wonderful, beautiful press given to the Wisconsin offensive line, as tends to happen once every four or five years or so. <laughs> but to me, it feels the same way. Hey, here's our big, you know, burger-fed guys that are they're playing offensive line. But what I saw that concerned me is again is foot speed. Why did they lose to Ohio State? Because Ohio State, their defense line just ran around the Badgers. And 
they made a big deal about Jonathan Taylor only having 20, 22 touches that were caught behind the line of scrimmage last year. And I think there were three or four um, in this game alone. And it's because Western Kentucky was faster off the ball than the offensive line could kind of keep up with. So if I have a concern, it's probably going to be not that the offensive line isn't talented, but when they face a fast team, that we're going to run into the same problem again. You know, the whole idea of having to play against speed, I think, is something uh, over time you're going to adjust to. Mm-hmm. But the problem, Jeff, is going to be with the fact that Ohio State, as far as the Big Ten goes, is just considerably faster than than I think any team you will put on the gridiron with regards to the Big Ten. And I don't know how you prepare for that. And I thought what we saw last year in the Big Ten Championship was a Wisconsin team that adapted somewhat in the second half and kind of made it a bit of a ball game because then they finally got acclimated to the speed. If you don't have the speed yourself, you can't replicate it. And if you can't replicate it, it is sure hard to practice and be ready for once kickoff takes place. Yeah, you know, the advantage Wisconsin has this year is that with – the team that they're bringing back, they pretty much know that they're going to make it to the Big Ten championship game, barring, you know, just catastrophic injuries, mm-hmm. you know, all across the board. So they've seen the speed and they can kind of try to scheme for it as best they can. So hopefully they don't get into the deficit like they were uh, last season. So, you know, Hornibrook, yes, he he missed some some open passes. And the, the problem with him is once you get down with him, he doesn't have it to bring you back and get you back in the game. What impressed me, though, were a couple of the receivers. Uh, you know, Kendrick Pryor, I I was kind of blown away. I thought he played very well, mm-hmm. and I didn't expect that out of him. You know, obviously, Taylor had a good game. He put one on the ground again, but, you know, it's the same thing with Hornibrook. You know, right. Hornibrook gets killed for the bad decisions he makes, and everybody kind of brushes the the Taylor fumbles <laughs> that constantly happen week in, week out under the rug and try to forget that they happen. Taylor had 18 carries for 145 yards. And the thing is, when we talk about Hornerbrook, for as much as I guess I want to, I don't know, pick apart just because I'm waiting for him to be what I thought he was advertised as, I mean, he still threw for 257 right. yards yeah, and two scores. And the one thing about him, and I agree with Jeff, it just doesn't seem like he's got, we'll call it maybe the it factor, to get you back into the game, so to speak. Like some some quarterbacks will come out and you're just like, okay, sit back, here we go. Not They don't win all the time, but you just know that they have enough ability to take that team down the field. The one thing I will say about Hornerbrook, when he does goof up, the next time he comes back on that field, he's it seems, at least outwardly, that he's oblivious to mm-hmm, it. Right. Like you always hear coaches yell at defensive backs, you're on the island, you play. If something happens, you gotta forget about it because you gotta step up and be ready for the very next play. I get that feeling with Hornerbrook. I get that feeling that, okay, I messed up. I'm gonna make the correction and do the best I can. It's gone, it's done, I'm moving forward which I think is one of the reasons why he maintains that starting position because he's got the ability to move forward and not then compound mistakes. Mm-hmm. How many times have we watched, whether it's college football, pro football, even baseball, even this Cubs series with the Brewers, the first two games for the Cubs, once mistakes started to happen, they seemed to compound 
and it, it seemed to become almost an epidemic. You don't see that with Hornerbrook. No, I think one of the things we have to consider with Hornerbrook, too, is this past game he's short his top two receivers and his top tight end. And there, there's an element in there that's that's going to impact in terms of how he's going to perform. So last year at the end of the season, I and I and I, I believe it that at the, at the end of the season last year, Wisconsin had the best wide receiving core in the Big Ten and a very underrated receiving core overall nationally. They were really really good. So we've got the whole Quintez Cephas thing. He's not coming back. Danny Davis is suspended for one more game. In my mind, of the receivers that were there, Danny Davis is actually the most talented receiver there. He was making catches last year that were incredible. I think when you get Danny Davis back onto the field and you have you you have you have Taylor and you have the other guys that are kind of in a support mode, I think it's gonna open up just a little bit more. I think I think Hornbrook's gonna have a little bit more confidence. I think you have a couple guys that are gonna get to get to footballs that maybe other guys can't get to. Um I think that'll open it up a little bit. But so it's it's hard to say that this one game there wasn't some impact about you know there were some injuries and you know obviously the way everything went down with this thing going with Davis and Cephas I mean that's gonna it's gonna impact the team as well so hopefully Danny Davis learns his lesson puts his, keeps his phone in his pocket and then starts to starts to play football again but yeah. um, right now I think. I, th- I think things will be okay. I still think Wisconsin has one of the better offenses in the Big Ten, maybe even the nation. Jeff, once again, I, I think he's become, or he's he's evolving into like folk status hero, and that's Garrett Groshek. Yeah, gets a screen pass, yeah. goes forty three yards for a touchdown, and this kid, with what happened last year, and now into game one of this twenty eighteen campaign, he just finds a way when he gets on the field to make something special happen. And he continues at the pace that he's at. He and Taylor are going to be kind of that that one-two punch where they offer something a little bit different, which could really bode well as you start getting into the Big Ten because defensively you're scheming for multiple different things which can really then put a defense on its heels. Yeah, he has the it factor. Where, you know, Hornerbrook, probably not. So, you know, he is definitely somebody that as the season goes on, I think they're going to definitely rely on a whole lot more. Uh, They're going to try to put a a bigger portion of the game plan on his back. And uh, we'll see if he's able to do it more than just one or two plays a game, if he can can be, you know, a consistent contributor. That remains to be seen. You know, overall, for entering the season as as number four, I wasn't blown away by the Badgers' performance uh, against Western Kentucky because at the end of the day, it is Western Kentucky. They should have put up a lot more points and and looked better, whether it's shaking the rust off, getting the football legs back. We'll see. We'll know more after Saturday. Right, and I think, and we'll talk about this later, as far as the preseason goes, this is why you play a Western Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to get too far ahead of myself because <laughs> You're to go there. I, oh, that vein I, in his forehead is just I'm popping telling you, it it just watching Ohio State play Oregon State and the fact that Oregon State okay you're in the Pac-12 here we go <laughs> Oregon State has not been relevant for a dozen years but yet okay I'll we'll save it for later I'm not, I'm I'm about ready to fly off the handle Taiwan deal right 53 yards yeah. on eight carries which was another good 
it's so mm-hmm. wonderful to watch the Badgers with their running backs. If we could just have the same confidence in our quarterback that we have with the running backs, that offense would be unbelievable. But let's jump to the defensive side of the ball. TJ Edwards, seven tackles. Scott Nelson at safety also with seven tackles and two pass breakups. Mm-hmm. That's a very young, as we said, a very young defense under a coordinator who really showed his merit last year. And if these guys can continue to grow, being as young as they are and eliminate mistakes, and he's able to put them in the right place again, now you've got the complete package. We're going into this year, we're like offense, we're good. As you said, the offensive line, getting a lot of pub. We've got a Heisman Trophy candidate in the backfield. We should be okay we're worried about the defense, but I understand it's Western Kentucky, but the defense did not look to me as shaky as I had anticipated going into week one. Yeah, I agreed. Uh, if if I came out of that game feeling good about uh, any one particular thing, it's it's Wisconsin's defense for all the reasons that you, that you said. It's got to start with Jim Leonard because those guys are getting – they're in the right spot. They look confident. They look comfortable which is a great place when you have a guy like a Scott Nelson, you know, retro freshman playing safety and covering the back end. So I I just honestly think that this defense is not going to be as good as last year, but I think they're going to you're going to see them get improved and more confident as time goes on. Listen, they're 85, 90% of last year, that's better than yeah. I would say 85 or 90% of the defenses in Division 1 football. It's time for us to take break number 2 when we come back, we will be efforting to talk to the head coach at the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh. That's Pat Cerrone. We'll do that next. This is the College Football Show right here on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Yo, Herb, take it from the top. One, two. My mic sound nice. Check one. My mic sound nice. Check two. My mic sound nice. Check three. Are you ready to rock your Once again, welcome back into the college football show right here on 105.7 FM. The fan, we jump to the great Midwest Bank hotline. Now joining us, the head coach of the number four ranked team in the nation at the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh. It's head coach Pat Cerrone. Coach, how you doing? Doing great. Thanks for having me on, buddy. Oh, we're always glad to have you on. There's two things now, I think, Dan, that Mm -hmm. have become the norm for our show. Yeah. The inaugural show of the season, we always get Coach Cerrone on from Oshkosh. Right. And when we get to basketball, we get Fafel on, the head coach at Cardinal Stritch University for the women's program. I think, Coach, I think this is just going to have to become an annual event, if you don't mind. <laughs> I don't mind. As long as we keep winning, we're good. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Pat, fair we've enough. we've got to get you to uh, pick your, your song of choice like we do for John Fafel yes. so we can uh, cue yeah. that up for you. Yeah, for some reason, yeah. I, I don't see Pat Cerrone and salt and Pepper going together. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just, I just don't. Hey, Coach, before we get into a couple of things, and I was telling these guys off the air, I, I had the, uh, the pleasure over the summer I was playing some golf, and I, I, won't, I won't put any names out there, but it was one of the dads of one of your current players, and he had just some really, I'll say it this way, some glowing things to say about your leadership style the fact that, in his opinion, you just you just kind of tell it like it is and move forward, and that's really what, as a parent, he expected, and that's what the kids expect. Where did you develop your leadership style? Who who kind of impacted you the most and developed into the, the head coach that you've become? Well, I had a great opportunity as a high school teacher and coach to work with a lot of great guys, 
Jeff Tricky, Tom Taraska, Bill Young. You know, Jet, I replaced Jim Jeskowitz at the Falls and all the guys I coached with in the Milwaukee area. I mean, that, those were just phenomenal leaders. Coaching against Dick Basham and Marquette, you know, just seeing how they do things. And, you know, I mean, those are those are great names in high school football, and that's really where this all started. So give them all the credit. I've just been very fortunate and blessed to have an opportunity to do it in the, at the college level. And I've been here 18 years now, 12 years as a head coach. It goes by so fast, but just very appreciative of where I came from, and I don't forget it. So, Coach, let's get into this year. Let's start with uh, your game game one, shall we say. You beat yeah. Carthage College 20-9. to nine. In, in an opening game, the first time really in, in a competitive atmosphere, you get your team out on the field and you get to see how things are playing out. What what was your takeaway both on the pro side that looked really great in week one and what were some of the things that you sat down with your team and said, all right, guys, looking at the film, here's what we got to work on as we get ready to head into week two and the rest of the season. Well, we lost, uh, you know, this is two years now. We've been a really good football team, and you lose a tremendous amount of talent. So a year ago we lost the entire defense. And uh, we were fortunate enough to win 12 games, and then we lost to Mount Union there at the end. But uh, I was all worried about the defense last year, just not enough experience. And then this year, you lose the guys we lost, Brett Casper, the Gallardi Ward winner, and then Dylan Hecker, a running back that was a stud, probably one of the better ones in the nation, and obviously Sam Minkowski out of Whitnell. Uh, so, I mean, you, you lose that production, you're always concerned. I mean, we do have a ton of talent, but they're just – there's not a lot of uh, experience right now as far as uh, depth-wise on the offensive side of the ball. And we walked into a buzzsaw here Saturday. Carthage had a great opportunity to knock us off. Their defense is outstanding. Their offense, obviously, the backup came in. And we were on 40 snaps. We are on our side of the 50. So we just couldn't move the ball, and we are trying to find ourselves. But uh, the positive was – that's the negative. The positive was that uh, – Boy, we really proved that we are something special as far as a team, that we hung in there, we didn't panic, and then uh, by the end, the last minute and a half, we scored two touchdowns to make it 20-6, to six, so or 20-9. to nine. Right. So it was it was a big big win for us, a uh, program win. You know, I think it attributed to this. Our, our players have been in a lot, of, a lot of big games. I mean, we've played a lot of football. Think about it. We've played uh, nine extra games the last two seasons. That's an entire season for most D3 teams. And I think, you know, in the past, Whitewater going to all those championships, people don't realize you get 10 extra weeks in two years. So that's a lot of practice time and a lot of development, and uh, I think that's the difference. Oh, right well, now. you just kind of built upon what my next question was going to be. Because of all that extra time, that has to be just a huge benefit when you've got a young team like you were just describing for some of those now who are sophomores and juniors who've had that experience to have those extra weeks, which got them a little bit more prepared to start week one against Carthage as opposed to if you did not make the playoffs last year, you would have been that much further behind developmentally. There's no doubt about it. You know, you didn't realize when Whitewater went on that seven-year run, you just always thought they were just, you know, you, you just couldn't stop it. Well, we're kind of in the same situation right now. We can develop a ton of talent uh, with those extra weeks, and that's really what's been happening, you know. So 
just very fortunate right now to be one and zero, and you know it's going to be a long season. I know we're ranked fourth, but it really don't mean much unless you go out and perform. And we definitely got to get better on special teams and offense and defensively. Hopefully, we can keep the pace up. We got to. They're excited to play. They like to play. And the big thing is our room. The whole the whole uh, team really gets along. So that's always a positive. Coach, I think I might know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. You got three road games to start the season. Actually, yeah. four once you get into conference play, but from a non conference schedule. In a row. Five, five in a row. row. Scroll down with Chillis. You'll see five <laughs> in a row. Uh, so you got five in a row. Your first three non conference games, however, on the road. Is Was it a product of taking your team on the road and trying to put them, uh, for lack of a better way of saying it, Coach, in in a hostile environment? Or is it a product, as we've talked before, about the fact that because the Division III program in this state is so strong, it's really hard to come up with a non-conference schedule? It's really, really hard. We're the only conference in America that has to schedule three non-conference games. Most, Most conferences only have one, maybe two, but most of them have one. It's getting harder and harder every year. I know people, you know, you'll have all the suggestions that aren't really in the business of saying, well, why don't you schedule three years out? Uh, I just contacted a school two weeks ago to schedule a game in 2020 and 2021. They emailed me immediately back and said, we ain't playing yet, done. So, I mean, it's just uh, there's no incentive for a D3 school to play a team like us because it's all based on wins and losses. Sure. And, uh, you know, for Carthage, I give Coach a lot of credit for scheduling us the next two years. I mean, that takes, that takes you know, that takes a lot of guts because now he's 0-1 and the only way he can get to the playoffs is to win out in his conference. And he's got to win, you know, seven in a row. So uh, they just don't want to do it. And I don't know what's, you know, this is just how it is. And for us, we knew since March, so it did, our players are not – affected by it i, mm-hmm. I got to be honest with you we had nine games last year they were just happy we had we got 10 this year so that's kind of how we relate is how many games our seniors are going to get to compete in and uh, we try like heck to get them 10 but you know next year we only have eight we just had a team dump us again Jeez. they're gaining another team in their conference so we had nine two weeks ago we had we're back to eight so this is how it is and uh it really you know it doesn't affect us. As, uh, I'd like to tell you that it does, but I mean, playing at home or away, when we, you're in our situation, our guys just want to play. So we got to give them that opportunity to play, and wherever that is, we're going to go. Coach, go time for just one more question. Give us a little bit of a look ahead as you go to Michigan this Saturday to take on Davenport University. Yeah, they just turned D two a year ago. Uh, they were, weren't very good. They're like a one and. Two, two and seven or one and eight. I don't even know what they were a year ago. They got 35 Division One transfers here in the off season. They just beat Robert Morse. Uh, they crushed them. You know, we're we're walking into a, a big time situation here for our players. Uh, what I'm looking for is us to be competitive. Uh, hopefully, we can keep the game close, and you know, in the end, we we can squeak one out. But if we don't, I mean, it's just a great opportunity to play in a big stadium. Uh, give our young guys another taste of uh, an eye-opening experience, but it's going to really prepare us for our, our conference. And that's, you know, I mean, you can play uh, Finlandia and beat, win 86 to nothing. Do you really learn anything from that game? Not really. The, these are the big games where you learn stuff. Uh, you know, the 
the the W is great, but if we if we do end up dumping it, it's it's what we learn because we're going to play River Falls and Water the first two games of conference, and we better be ready to go. So, trying to find weaknesses in our in ourselves, not with anybody else. Coach, we love having you on the show. Thanks again for your time. We wish you the best of luck, and in a couple of weeks, you know we'll be calling again. Well, guys, thank you very much. That's head coach Pat Cerrone from the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh, ranked number four in the country, as we said, taking on Davenport University this Saturday. Davenport out of Michigan. It's 11 a.m. Excuse me, kickoff. And as always, if you go to the UWOshkoshTitans.com, you have an opportunity to check out that game online. When we come back after the break, it's time to look at some other teams here in the state within the WEAC and outside of the WEAC on the Division Three level and take a look at what their season has in hold, has in store for them. This this show is too late at night. I don't know. <laughs> Anyhow, First one. We'll, do, we'll do it all next. This is the College Football Show right here on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Once again, welcome back in to the College Football Show right here on 105.7 FM, The Fan, as we said, and we will do it momentarily. We'll do it after the next break and talk a little bit about what's coming up in the WEAC and some of the other Division Three schools here in the state of Wisconsin. Once again, want to let you know, September 29th from 12 to 5 will be a fundraiser at Coaches on 13th Street for Mark Selzer. Mark battling cancer right now, and as I said before, in the words of Stuart Scott, sometimes you've got to lay down and rest and let others take the battle on for you, and that's exactly what we're going to do on the 29th from 12 to 5, raffle silent auctions, all of those proceeds going to help Mark and Dawn as he takes this battle head on. And once again, to all my Pulaski alumni, would love to see you out there on the 29th from 12 to 5. And once again, with that said, we got to step aside. We're going to take another break for week two. Oh, it's great to have football <laughs> back, isn't it? This is the College Football Show right here. 105.7 FM, The Fan. Once again, welcome back in. College football show right here on 105.7 FM. The fan is we take a peek inside of the WEAC and some other division three schools in and around the state of Wisconsin. And guys, uh, looking at the schedule, number one, you've got to figure that it's Whitewater and Oshkosh battling once again for the WEAC title. If we simply go by stats from previous years, records from previous years, all of those things combined returning uh, letter winners, and even even with head coach Pat Cerrone talking about how young that team is, the fact that, as he noted, they've almost had a complete full season of extra practices and games. So those young guys, though young, have had a little bit more work than what some of the other schools have had the benefit of having as far as preparation goes. And the other question mark for me this year, Dan, goes to the University of Wisconsin Lacrosse. They have made that step. They just haven't gotten themselves over the hump. So when I look at lacrosse three, four years ago, that was a team where you kept waiting, waiting, waiting. And now it's a team that's finding ways to win games, but they just haven't seemed 
to get over the hump when it comes to the WEAC when you're looking at the Oshkoshes and Whitewaters. Played them extremely tough, Mm -hmm. just haven't found a way to win to get themselves propelled into that conversation as being one of the teams, at least, that could take advantage of maybe an Oshkosh team right now that's a bit young and come ahead with a victory. Yeah, I think about that, too. I mean, it, we, by the way, it's, isn't it the University of Wisconsin Lacrosse? I, Thank you, Dan. It welcome. is the University <laughs> so, of Wisconsin Lacrosse. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it, I look at lacrosse, and that's the one that really stood out to me when I was looking at the WEAC, is that that's the team that I'm, that's the next team I'm expecting to make a jump because we know about Whitewater. We know about Oshkosh. I think Oshkosh really is the cream of the crop of the WEAC right now, but they're looking for that opportunity to sustain success now. And that's where it comes in where can they sneak into the playoffs? Can they find their way in that where they get that extra game or that extra two games? Um, because we, as, as Pat Cerrone just got done telling us, the difference that makes in the ability for a team to create a program and sustain success is absolutely vital to go and go and go. And he made the great point, Whitewater, seven years right? and what that means. So at some point there's going to have to be a, a – a junior senior class in lacrosse that kind of gets them over that hump. They win games that they're they traditionally have not won, you know, and get them there. Are they close? Man, they are so close. It's just a matter of of when it happens. Can I be very judgmental for a moment? You look ahead <laughs> at the schedule, and yeah. California Lutheran is coming to our fair state mm-hmm. for a non-conference game to play Stout. If I'm at California Lutheran and the coach says, guys, one of our non-conference games, we're headed to Wisconsin and we're playing stout. And you know some kid is sitting in the back of the meeting room, thumbing through, trying to figure out where stout is. (laughs) And you know the reaction was, homie, say what? (laughs) You got me on a bus traveling how long to go where? I'm thinking if if I'm stout, even the stout players are like, why aren't we playing California Lutheran in California? Right. Why aren't you taking me out of the state of Wisconsin in the fall and putting me in palm <laughs> trees in warm weather in the state of California? That one to me, when I was looking over the schedule, I don't know why. And again, it's being very judgmental. And to anyone who went to the University of Wisconsin stout, I completely apologize. But I just can't see guys who are in California fired up to go to Stout to play a non-conference <laughs> football game. All right, that that's that was kind of poor, but I, I'm sorry. It just made me laugh. The other two teams that I'm really watching, one of them Coach Cerrone mentioned, that's Carthage. Carthage is another one that plays in a very, very difficult conference, mm, Yeah, and yet they find a way to hold their own, and in many cases they get right, right to the breaking point of getting again over that mountain and, and getting onto the winning side of things but they always seem to fall a field goal, a touchdown short against the upper echelon of that conference. And Carthage is one of those teams that I am just waiting for to break that glass ceiling, so to speak, and really make their mark within that conference. Yeah, Carthage has been a team, too, that has really been exceptional when it comes to running the ball recently. They've, they've had a lot of success that way. Um, I, I think, and, I, and I'm, I'm going to murder this and I apologize, but with Carthage, it seems like every year uh, they they run in headstrong into Wharton or is it Wheat uh, Wharton. Um, Wharton? Yeah, that they put in there and and that is um, that's part of the challenge again of building their program and I think they've established and I think Carthage has a pipeline of, of of excellent runners that can come in and do the job. 
Now they're looking for one more way to kind of extend their offense a little bit and kind of get over the Wharton hump. Yeah. Um, right now it's going to be it's going to be Wharton's division again to win, but this is it's almost an opportunity for for Carthage to come in and, and take over because I think once they do that, if we've we've been to Carthage, we know how beautiful it is, we know the complexes yeah. they have. I think once they can start to get people to high school athletes to recognize, wait a minute. We can go in and we can win a championship instead of competing against a team that always does and recruiting that way. They're going to have the opportunity to be great. They're they're good right now. It's it's that one game like you were saying that field goal that touchdown. That's just they're not quite there yet. And that's the thing. I hope people, if if they are listening to this show, take a moment and to look at a place like Carthage. And you're if you're looking for a place you want to watch some college football on a Saturday afternoon and you want to experience mm-hmm. live, that's the kind of place you want to go to. The facilities, like you said, are second to none. Right. The location, second Beautiful. to none. Beautiful. And as far as nowadays, if you're trying to take your family or you want to take the kids, you know, some sometimes the kids are smaller. You want to have that experience of going to something that's live and seeing something in person. And let's face it, if the five, six, seven-year-old decides by the third quarter, they don't want to be a part of this no more, you haven't dropped an arm or a leg to get yourself through the door you've given them the experience and yet you can go feeling not as if you were cheated out of you know next week's pay Mm -hmm. trying to get yourself into a game and parking and all of the other things that go and let's face it yeah the football isn't division one wisconsin ohio state but the football is good it's really good, and that's why we do this show is to celebrate that because those Division three teams are playing very, very well. Let's get back to the WEAC real quick. If you're Whitewater, again, contention-bound Whitewater for the WEAC, you open essentially this month. You have to go to lacrosse and play, and then, as you heard, it's going to be Oshkosh at Whitewater. So if you're Whitewater, really when you start working your way into week, what is it, four, I think by that point, and it's your second conference game, but then you go from lacrosse to Oshkosh back-to-back. We've said it time and time again, and we say it on the basketball side, Dan, there's really not a week you can take off. There's really not a time when you can go play that cupcake, get yourself healthy, let some of the second and third stringers run out there, and get their experience week in and week out. You've got to be prepared because you're playing teams that if you placed in any other conference around the country would immediately be contenders for that division title. Well, we're talking about enjoying the the, the football experience. I, folks, go to Oshkosh Whitewater when they're in Whitewater because what was the last time uh, Oshkosh was down there? Didn't they have 20,000 fans I was just going like to say that? it was unbelievable it was, the fandom that was mm-hmm. there. And and you have you have the tailgating experience. There are people out there having a great time, um, and I think that again, no surprise, early in the season is going to be the game of the season. And and it's such a close game last year. It came down to the very end, and Oshkosh walks away with them, right? Right. Hard earned, and they get it. Yeah. So you've got to believe that Whitewater, all oh, they want this game. Oh, and at home, you know, yeah, at yes, home, an opportunity to take the uh, the national runner up and take them to task and do that, I, I think this is the one they want. And get back into the driver's yeah. seat, a seat that they've held for how many mm-hmm. years that Oshkosh now has ascended to. And so not only do you have a game that could decide the conference title, you have an opportunity to see two teams that you could find 
participating at the end like Oshkosh did last year for the national championship. Guys, we're going to take a break at this point because I want to make sure we got plenty of time. <laughs> After the break, as I alluded to, Andrew Filipponi from CBS Radio feels as if the Badgers should not be in consideration for the Final Four, even if they run the table, even if they win the Big Ten Championship, simply based on the merit of their preseason schedule, their non-conference schedule, excuse me. And boy, are we going to talk about it next. <laughs> this is the College Football Show right here on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Once again, welcome back to the season premiere of the college football <laughs> show right here on 105.7 FM, a very show. special yeah. college football, which is a joke only people over a certain age would right. understand mm-hmm. with relation to an old TV show, and we'll stop right there. All right, so I alluded to this at the start <laughs> of the program. I have alluded to it before we went to break, and it is now time to discuss Mr. Filipponi's point that the Badgers – based on their preseason schedule, non-conference, excuse me, schedule should not be considered as a team, even if they run the gamut of being in the Final Four based on who they're going to and have now played here early on in this season. So the first thing I did (laughs) after talking to myself while mowing the lawn, the first thing I did was immediately to look up Alabama's non-conference schedule Mm -hmm. I look at Alabama's non-conference schedule it's a doozer it's one that should make people change their underwear (laughs) (laughs) they open with Louisville is anybody afraid of Louisville this year no reason to be no after losing their Heisman Trophy candidate to the pros what made anybody think going into this season Louisville was going to be somebody who could even think about giving Alabama a run for their money. And the final score showed a 51 to 14. Now Alabama this week takes on the powerhouse known as Arkansas State. Ooh, get your popcorn ready. <laughs> you could watch the first three minutes of that game and then go mow your lawn and you won't miss a thing. I guarantee it. Game number three on the non-conference schedule, with all due respect to the military, they're taking on the Citadel. He's getting angrier now. The the Citadel is not what you would consider to be a football powerhouse. This is the non-conference schedule of the number one ranked team in the nation. Now, I will say this. I'm not faulting Alabama. I'm not faulting Wisconsin. We were talking about this off the air. Jeff, we talked about it last year. You have to... Plan your non-conference schedule so far in advance that you have really no idea whether or not that team will be relevant other than the fact that they carry a name. So Oregon State takes on Ohio State this past week. Oregon State, Pac-12, great. You're in a you're in a Power 5 conference, but you are the bottom of your conference. Oregon State, as we noted earlier, they haven't been relevant for a dozen years. So just because Ohio State took on a team from the Pac-12, I would rather see what happened with Penn State taking on Appalachian State, who Appalachian State Mm -hmm. over time, and probably you could earmark it when they beat Michigan 11 years ago, 
has really developed their football program. But Jeff, as you said last year, when we talked about the fact that Wisconsin's going to play Notre Dame in like 2027, Mm -hmm. somebody needs to look at if we're going to judge a team's potential to get into the final four, if we're going to judge that potential based on their non-conference schedule, then it shouldn't be that we're developing those schedules 10 years in advance. Maybe there's a three-year window and that's it. There's got to be a window because you get teams like Appalachian State that almost beat Penn State on Saturday, and then it was, what, 11 years pretty much to the day mm-hmm. that they knocked off Michigan. Yep. They're not going to be able to book any serious top-level schools anymore because they're too tough. They beat Michigan. They almost beat Penn State. No one's going to want to play them anymore. Doesn't it sound like what Coach Cerrone was telling us just yeah. a few minutes yep. ago during the interview? And we're even talking about the difficulties at the D3 level. Yeah. As you said, who then wants to take on some of these schools, even if they've they've established themselves? Nobody wants to take them on. So why, why is this an issue? I don't understand why all of a sudden the non-conference games have been an issue if – we're not going to then just come up with Power Five, a Power Five conference, do away with the Big Ten, do away with the Pac-12. Here's the Power Five conference. We've taken the United States. We've divided it up into quadrants. You're in this quadrant and go. Well, we're all done now. Thanks. You know, <laughs> no, it's, no it's, it's, it's one of those things, and you've seen, you've seen the different conferences try to address this a little bit. So the Big Ten is now trying to ensure that you have to play at least one positive program in, in your non-conference schedule. They're also trying now to reorganize their schedule so some of the teams are going to have to play a Big Ten opponent starting off the season. I think we had Northwestern and Purdue start off yeah. um, uh, a week ago. So they're, they're trying to do that. But what, what gets me back to your point about Alabama is, you know, what it's we want to have our sensibilities offended if if your media or whatever it is, we want something to scream about and get upset about, yeah. and and talk about how this isn't right and blah 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 blah. But what what kills me about this whole conversation is the pass is the pass that the national media gives the SEC, because their non-conference games are not at the they're not front end loaded, like the Big Ten is. Right. Okay, and so by the time you've got You've got Alabama, and let's say they're they're eight and one or nine and all, and then all of a sudden here comes here comes the Citadel. No one's paying attention because Alabama has quote unquote proven that they're beating all the big teams and they can do this. And so who who cares about the Citadel? All and right. In, and instead of in essence getting healthy in the beginning of the season and working out your kinks, what does Alabama do? They're getting healthy at the latter end right. and then preparing themselves to make that run towards the SEC championship and then potentially like they have the last few years take on that final four and end up winning national champs again I got nothing against what Alabama is trying to do my argument is more of this perception that okay because you played Western Kentucky you're playing New Mexico State you can go right down the line that somehow you are disavowed then from your conference schedule which is the meat and potatoes of how you should be based anyway yeah, and I think there's um, – Wisconsin has not done what it needs to do in the last, what, three Big Ten championship games, and, and they're paying for those sins, Yep. right? And so – Well, and I think – I'm sorry, Dad. I think yeah. they're also paying for the sin of the fact that their half of the Big Ten last it's year, weaker. their division, 
was incredibly weak. Mm -hmm. And that's all anybody kept bringing up. If they were to play Michigan, if they were to play Ohio State, but they can't help what division they're in and what those teams are going to put forth as far as a product goes year in and year out. Yeah, I, I just think as, as we move forward to this, so, so what are our solutions? What do we do? Does, does Jim Delaney have to look and say, all right, fellas, now when we schedule our non-conference, we're going to take an SEC approach and we're just going to mix them up and go that route. I don't know that that necessarily removes – the, the issue from a media perspective of, of complaining about it because now all oh, they're just doing what the SEC or the ACC is doing and it doesn't fix anything. I think certain teams, I, I, I think, you know, you and I have, have a shared disdain for Notre Dame, right? Oh yeah. Every, every <laughs> season, oh, yeah. every season. Oh, oh wow. Here comes the fighting Irish, the greatest team ever. And we, we can't have a conversation about college football without Notre Dame. They're, Trust me, they'll screw it up again this year. Of course. You know, they're they're not as strong as people want them to be. And, you know, there are certain teams out there that are going to get a pass every single time. Badgers, however, are not that team. Michigan will get the pass. Ohio State will get the pass, okay? But Badgers, because of, of in, in part because you can call it a bias, but in part because of their performance, it doesn't, unless they're playing LSU in the front end of every game or front end of every season, they're not going to get the opportunity, and then, and even then, it's going to, well. So LSU isn't the same team they were. If if Wisconsin beats a good team, it's because the good team was somehow having a weaker season, is the way it feels. Well, yeah. I'll just I'll just say it this way: If Filipponi was trying to incite conversation, he did it. It worked. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, yeah. I just I think it's just complaining to complain. Right. You know, it's the same thing with the NCAA tournament. You know, it was perfect with 64. Mm-hmm. Now it's 68. They want to expand it to 112 or whatever. <laughs> you know, it, leave it alone. You know, the college football playoff should be eight instead of four. But then you got to put it in once you expand it like that. This is it. We're taking a 15-year right. break. Mm-hmm. We're not touching it and leave it alone. Because mm-hmm. no matter where you are, Jeff, whether you are in basketball, whether you're the 65th team when it was 64, or whether or not now you're number five in football or you're number nine, you're going to complain and everybody's going to want it to be expanded. And I think as much as I would love to see football go to eight, and I completely agree as as we've talked before, the fact that it's four makes the regular season even that much more compelling. And I think in basketball, if they keep expanding what the tournament is, why even play the regular season then? Mm -hmm. Start. Give yourselves like a week's worth of games and start the tournament and go, everybody's in, let's see what happens. And by March, I guess we're down to four, whatever the case may be. But it it just, it goes to what you were saying before, Dan, and what you were saying, Jeff. This this, this is about stirring the pot, so to oh, speak. Yeah. And yeah. that's what Filipponi did and bless his heart. It, it worked, worked on you. <laughs> I'll tell you. All right, let's take a break. I want to talk a little bit about the Nick Saban-Maria Taylor incident that took place at the end of week one as Alabama beat the aforementioned powerhouse that is Louisville. And I also want to say why I think when Wisconsin plays Michigan, could be the dagger, no pun intended, to Wayne Larravee for a certain head coach at the University of Michigan. Ooh, Captain Khaki Pants? Captain Let's Khaki Pants, we will, and we'll do it after this. This is the College Football Show right here on 105.7 FM, The Fan.
answers did you have about your quarterbacks after watching both of them play tonight? Well, I still like both guys. I think both guys are good players. I think both guys can help our team. All right, so why do you continually try to get me to say something that doesn't respect one of them? I'm not going to. So quit asking. Whew. Nick Saban <laughs> talking to Maria Taylor, who, you know, those sideline reporters, and while I'm saying this, welcome back to the college football show right here on The Fan. Those sideline reporters, I, I get sometimes the questions that are asked. You kind of scratch your head and you're like, really? You're, you're getting paid to ask a question like that? But let's face it, in the heat of battle, and usually it's the one who has to then go up and talk to the coach who has suffered a defeat, that's a tough position to be in. Mm-hmm. Now, Nick Saban whose team absolutely annihilated Louisville, who absolutely put himself in that situation by not naming a starting quarterback, the questions were going to arise. Right. And why he chose to respond the way he did is only only something Nick Saban can answer. But it does go to what you were saying earlier, Dan, when you were talking about does the tail wag the dog or does the dog wag the tail. In Alabama, Nick Saban is the one in control. Oh, yeah. Nick Saban can get away with just about anything because he has once again restored that program to, in essence, greatness. But his response to Maria Taylor, who was doing her job, who is going to ask that question that everybody would ask. It's not Maria Taylor asking Anybody would have asked that question. As a matter of fact, had not Maria Taylor asked that question on the sideline, I guarantee it would have been the first question in the press conference oh, following. Yeah. yeah. And for and for the ego to turn to arrogance, that that to me it, it, it just crossed it just crossed the line. And she did not deserve that as a response, as if it was her asking the question, though it was. And no one else would have asked that question and almost how dare you ask that when you created the situation to begin with. Yeah, I, I feel sorry for her. I, I thought she handled it as well as he could. I think it's certainly not going to be her first rodeo when it comes to this kind of stuff. And uh, it's it's fairly well documented that it's not a first rodeo for any any member of the media that has to deal with Nick Saban and this kind of thing. Um, it's, it's ironic to me that he and Bill Belichick are good friends because they both have the same kind of approach to who they're dealing with when they're holding a mic. There, there is a part of me that that is a little bit more empathetic to Nick Saban than maybe most would be. Uh, and I'm in complete agreement with you in terms of he put himself in this position. You've got to expect a question that's coming in. I, I think the only the only way that I, I, I'm a little bit more forgiven to Nick Saban is that, you know, he he's walking off the field, he's running off, there's got to be a bunch of things running through his head. And, you know, maybe he just, who knows what happened on the sideline. He just wanted, didn't want to deal with it. However, okay, this is, this goes back to your point earlier about you've got to expect the question. Okay. I'm sorry that you're tired of the question. That's got then nothing to do it. with it. Then settle then it. Then settle it. Right. And, and I'm not even saying that you have to necessarily come out and say, two is my starter. Here's my starter. Guy. Charlie, whoever is my, it doesn't make a difference who Mm -hmm. put whatever name you want in. There are ways you can go about talking to the media. Mm -hmm. And it always amazes me how some of these guys don't like to talk to the media, but without the media, they would not have risen to the level of success 
even monetarily, that they would have had the media not propelled them into the spotlight, and yet they want to poo-poo it, much like you were talking about he and Belichick. You're, you're winning 51-14. to 14. Right. You, you mean to tell me you're wrapped up in the, the last minute of the game? I, I get it. You got to cut them a little bit of slack. I, I just – the arrogance has been replicated time and time again. And I just didn't think it was necessary at the end of the game. Well, I think what's going to happen, though, too, is that after a while, you, as, as a media member, you get so tired of getting beat up, you're just going to take your swings. And you're going to walk in there and you're going to have kind of a, a counterproductive relationship with someone that you've got to get the news from and do that. Yeah. But they don't care. that they're, they're tired of it. They're tired of getting beat up. And I think the other component is when we, when we look at Nick Saban a little bit and some of the other guys that we've discussed – it's he's gotten to a point, and nothing's going to change this. Nothing at all is going to change this. It's just going to be, I'm Nick Saban. Who the hell are you? You know, it's I will say what I want to say, what I'm going to say. It. No one's going to question me on it, and more people are going to question you for the question than they are for me for the answer. Uh, particularly alumni or fans or stuff like that. I guarantee the 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 conversation is different down in Alabama. Well, why did she ask su- such a stupid question? Well, oh. it wasn't stupid. Listen, you know? I, I completely understand through the prism by which you watch your team. Right. You're, you're going to have a different viewpoint. And, yeah, in Alabama, I guarantee it was all Maria Taylor's fault. Mm-hmm. We're outside. No one else is seeing that way. Much like when we talked in the first segment about the whole Ohio State thing, in Ohio State, Ohio State fans are looking at it completely different than what other people throughout the country are. Not all of them, but a vast majority of them. Uh, I want to have time to talk about the the Badgers' upcoming week. we got to have time to shovel the funk at the end of the show. Jeff, I want to throw this at you. And I've got I've, I've got a theory. Okay. <laughs> Look out. Uh-oh. I've got a theory that has my, my friend here to the right likes to call Mr. Khaki Pants. Coach Harbaugh <laughs> at Michigan loses to Notre Dame 24-17. Now, okay, they, they play Western Michigan. They've got SMU. Here we go with the whole non-conference thing again, but we'll let that go. But then you've got Nebraska at Northwestern, Maryland not too devastated by, but then Wisconsin and Michigan State. And my thought is that by the time they get to Wisconsin, if Wisconsin can go into Michigan and beat Michigan, which to me would put them back on their heels going up then against Michigan State, their interstate rival, I think we could be looking at the end of Harbaugh as the coach at Michigan. I agree with you. I don't think it'll happen in the middle of the season. I think they'll wait and uh, you know watch the entire season implode and then <laughs> and then dump them at the end. But you know when you look back on it, what has he accomplished at right. Michigan? Right. The list is there anything on the list? Because he hasn't beaten Ohio State. No. He hasn't. You know they still recruit well. But they're not having any success, and it's just you want to talk about a hiring disaster. Well, and and then let's look at it once again through the prism by which many in Michigan are seeing Harbaugh. He's one of their own, mm-hmm. and you have a tendency to protect one of your own. So I think the leash has been much longer than it has been for some of the other guys, his predecessors, who have been run out of Michigan for having essentially the same type of success that he's experiencing right now. But because he's one of theirs, I think they're bending a little bit. But with his salary and the success rate that he's having with that football program, I think this is a make-or-break year 
for Mr. Khaki Pants. Well, and I just just for fun, I think it's fun with every passing year. Mr. Khaki Pants looks more and more like Woody Hayes. He's got the glasses and the hat. Yes, yeah, he does. Uh, does. At that time is passing. I, I'm with you. I think um, I think he's he's really at a make or break year in Michigan, um, and this this has potential for Michigan to really slide off the cliff really quick if they're not careful. If their quarterback can't come around and deliver, yeah, they've got a good defense, but it's not a special defense. It's not one that uh, that good teams can't get around or average teams like Notre Dame. So. Let's let's find out where this goes, but I mean, yeah, it like we were saying off the air. If it's if it's not Harbaugh, and Michigan is as prone to find anybody that is true blue as any program out there, then who's it going to be? And they have a tendency. We need the 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 newest, prettiest bell at the dance that's going to come in, and they're going to want to be a part of Michigan. I think Michigan's starting to lose its luster a little bit. I don't think everybody's looking to get into Michigan as a coach. Kind of like the same way. I don't think anybody's really working to get into Indiana for basketball anymore. Yeah, I, I think some some teams have lost their luster, and I think some teams have lost their luster simply because of how many games now you can see throughout the country at any given time. When mm-hmm. those teams used to be it, it I don't want to say it was easy for them to recruit, but people wanted to go there because yeah. it was a way to be on TV. They were prominent, everything else. That dynamic has changed we got to take a break. When we come back, let's preview this Saturday's matchup between the Badgers and New Mexico State. We'll do it next. This is the College Football Show right here on 105.7 FM, The Fan. You know what? I want to shovel the phone. I want to shovel the phone. I want to shovel the phone. I feel like shovel the phone. I got to shovel the phone. Once again, welcome back to the college football show right here on 105.7 FM. Shovel the Funk is being brought to you once again by Americana Apparel. Whether you need t-shirts for an upcoming event or team jerseys and gear, Americana Apparel has you covered. Owner Jim Van Acker will provide you with unparalleled quality and service for all your custom silk screening and embroidery needs. Check them out at Americana Apparel LLC.com. Um, before we, we get into this, any anybody been contacted by Live Nation for as many times as we played Justin Timberlake on this show? Uh, I'm expecting tickets. Is that wrong uh, of me? I'm no, expecting tickets. Not wrong at all. I'm I'm expecting him to show up here at the studio and participate. <laughs> I mean, we we've been promoting him. Has anybody heard of Justin Timberlake? I don't think so. we've been trying think... to get his his music out there. So once once the shovel the funk segment got the popularity <laughs> that it rightly deserves, he I mean he's just unbelievably blown up nation and worldwide since his exposure right here on this show. Justin, you're welcome. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it, I, happy to help. <laughs> so come on down, come on, throw a little back at us and and join us for the show. You know, Jeff started with passing out shovels for what he was, and we're just going to continue <laughs> that segment right there. All right, guys, let's shovel the fuck. You got to start here, Mister Orlowski. Go ahead. All right. Oh, it's so nice to hold the shovel again. Uh, my, I'm giving my shovel this week to the good old Big Ten Network. They suspend uh, analyst Braylon Edwards. Because he tweeted uh, a couple bad things against the University of Michigan, called it Lyman Week, and that, you know, that their offense is trash. Now, this is not coming from an Ohio State guy 
or a Michigan State guy. This is coming from a Michigan alum on his own team. Do you want to sh- just a shill? Somebody just, oh, yeah, Michigan's great. There's no issues there. It's fantastic and just blow a lot of hot smoke and lies. <laughs> or do you want somebody who's going to tell you how it is? Give me somebody who tells it like it is. So, Big Ten Network, you get my shovel. It is so good to have Jeff back. <laughs> Daniel, you're up. I just I hate following you sometimes. I just, <laughs> um, no, I'm going to go Taiwan Deal. Um, you're going to look at it and, and look at his performance. What I what I love about it is healthy, and I I love the mix that he gives the Badger running game. I love how he attacks the offensive line and and pushes through. Um, and if I look at anything that 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 made me happiest in that game outside of the defense, um, if he can stay healthy, he's a guy that can that can be a difference maker in a different way for the Badgers. I'm going to give it to the WEAC conference as we get ready to get into this 2018 season. Week one, Oshkosh comes in at number four, Whitewater at number 12, Platteville at 17, and UW, excuse me, the the University of Wisconsin Lacrosse gets an honorable mention vote. And we talked about earlier how close we think Wisconsin Lacrosse can be to kind of making that move now towards that upper echelon with Oshkosh and Whitewater. So once again, when you look at the WEAC and you look at how strong that conference is and you think week in and week out how they just beat one another up, again, you you could go all the way down. Heck, you could take Stout and you could put them <laughs> in any other conference and they would be in the running for that conference title. Mm-hmm. It just so happens that one of the best conferences in Division Three football resides in this state. So I can't say enough for people to get out and check out some of these games, or as we always say, go online. They're broadcast week in and week out. You just turn on the computer. And for Whitewater, if you watch a Whitewater game, it's as good as you will find the broadcast quality that you'll see on some of the the cable networks broadcasting games on a Saturday afternoon. I mean, you can really enjoy the game with high-quality video. And, And let's face it, in some cases, you've got kids, and I'll call them kids, calling the game and they're going to make mistakes but they're learning and, and it what the heck you know you're, you're watching good football and quite honestly sometimes I'd rather listen to the kid make the mistake than knowing some guys making six figures and jibber jabbering his way through four quarters of whatever game I happen to be watching all right let's take a look at this upcoming week for the Wisconsin Badgers Saturday well, we'll call it late morning, early afternoon. It's an 11 a.m. kickoff. It eats as, up your whole Saturday. Thank does. you very much, Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> as they take on New Mexico. Now, Bob Davey, who we know as a very experienced, a name-worthy coach, mm-hmm. brings his team into Camp Randall. And this is a team that, again, if you go back 10 years, was playing decent football. Not outstanding. They weren't going to be gangbusters, but were playing decent football. And in the last few years, have kind of fallen off the deep end. There are many people who think Bob Davey is on the hot seat, which I had a I had a laugh reading a national pub, a publication. Excuse me. Really, you're worried about Bob Davey at New Mexico? I but you got to write about something once in a while. <laughs> Coming in, <laughs> the only thing that concerns me a bit about New Mexico is going to be their offense. They like to spread things out. It's up-tempo. It's fast. And it's going to be interesting to see how this young defense of the Badgers can respond to what New Mexico will bring in here on Saturday at Camp Randall. 
Yeah, I think if if I think about the defense for Wisconsin, I think looking at this, uh, Scott Nelson's going to get another workout, which is fine. Let's push him a little bit harder before the Big Ten season opens. Um, I like where we stand in terms of our uh, our linebacker core right now. I think they're going to be just fine. I think they're going to they're going to open up some opportunities. Uh, Sagapolo is going to be be able to kind of do some damage in the middle as well. Um, so I'm I'm not too concerned about this game. I think what I'm looking for now is just consistency and improvement on the offense. Well, we're still we're going to have our tight ends back at full force again. Looking to see if our offensive line can make an improvement on their play. And it's not that they played poorly, but I think they can play better. And can we continue to see improvement out, out of Hornibrook and, and making better decisions? When, when I talk about the defense, I'm not concerned as if, uh, I, you know, I'm, you're going to lose sleep. I, I think right. the Badgers win right. handily. I'm just going to be interested to see with an, with an up-tempo type offense, even though I believe the Badgers overmatch what New Mexico brings to the table with their offense, I, I just want to see how they respond. Jeff, on the other end, I easily think the Badgers can put up 50 points on Saturday. They better. Uh, <laughs> you know, and I am concerned about the Badgers' defense because New Mexico, they faced the powerhouse incarnate word. Uh, last week, okay. Now you know we all know they're they're pro- they're ranked higher than Alabama do or we, should be. Do we know what their mascot is? I is do it not. like a dictionary running right, around? I'm gonna, you, I'm gonna look it up. All right, let's figure but it out. They gave up 566 yards of offense to Incarnate Word. Okay, <laughs> so I'm worried about the Badgers' defense because I think you hand the ball to Jonathan Taylor. And no matter where you're at on the field, he's going to score in you know about 12 seconds, and so I think the D might get might get tired. So um, that's my that only just concern. An interesting way of looking at it. I'm concerned about the defense because they may have to be on the field so much. Yeah, because they're going to score so fast. Events that they will incarnate word. What? Who, how do you recruit for incarnate word? Oh, that's <laughs> like I'm thinking New Mexico, um, Arizona, incarnate word, incarnate word. So I've got the I've got the uh, the team name. What do you Go think Daniel. it is? The Popes. You, you're on the right track. Uh oh, you're on the right track. Go a step lower. The Cardinals. Cardinals. There, there we go. The Cardinals of incarnate word. Yes. The Cardinals of incarnate. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I don't, I, where do, you, where do you go with that one? All right, so I don't know. Let, let's based on what Mr. Orlowski has just told us, let's give a quick prediction and see how we do when we come back next week, and we'll see how how we would do if we had to go to Vegas because I don't even know what the line is. But what do you got, Jeff? Uh, because of the tired defense, <laughs> I am going to go sixty-eight to Ooh. six. 68-6. Dan? I don't see that. I <laughs> um, I think there's going to be a lot of blisters on the feet of Wisconsin's offense right now, but I, I think it's going to be uh, Matt LaPay saying touchdown Wisconsin seven times. Had a couple field goals in there for good measure. Okay. So we'll say 55. If 55. I, did, did I do my math right? I think so. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not about <laughs> to sit here. It's almost 10 o'clock. I wasn't about a to sit here to calculate that thing up for you. Uh, well, you kind of went into the same vicinity that I was going in. So I've got in the 50s, I got in the 60s. What the heck? 77-14. There okay. we go. 77-14. <laughs> there we go. And, and our and our friend Greshik is going to just have himself a Heisman Trophy afternoon. 
by the end of the day, it'll be Taylor and him, your top two, going after the Heisman <laughs> Trophy after week two. All right, guys, once again, it has been a great deal of fun, and I hope this fun continues for the remainder of the football season. For our producer, the Polish pipe bomb, Jeff Orlowski, and the professor, Dan Underberg. This is Don Wachillas. Thank you so much once again for listening to us. We are back in 6 and 22. This has been the College Football Show right here on 105.7 FM, The Fan. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.